What is up, good people? Welcome to Music Mostly, the podcast where we celebrate the music that is important to us. Thank you so much for joining us. First and foremost, we'd like to give a giant shout out to the OG good people in the service and hospitality industries. They're out there making it rain sanitizer so your goofy ass can pretend everything is okay for a short while. They're delivering your meals in the middle of a global pandemic so you can stay safe and cozy at home. They're gigging at your local grocery store, bagging your orders, and running them to your car to save you time and exposure. The least, and I mean the very least, you can do is mask up, tip like a rock star, and don't be a dick. You guys got anything to add to that? I think it's funny. I'll just add this one thing. I've been working in a liquor store, and it, I see people coming in at like, uh, you know, 8.30, 9 o'clock every night. And uh, and at the one thing I recognize about a certain is that they're all wearing kitchen Crocs. And I'm like, fuck yeah, those are restaurant workers right there. And I know who they are, and they they see that I notice, and it's I've even commented a couple times, and I found out like where people work, they're all just wearing those same black bistro Crocs like back in the day at Bandwagon. Nice. Like you work in a restaurant, bro. God bless you. There are some telltale signs. Yeah. God bless them. It's time to talk about music. It's time to talk about life. Yes, we know you're gonna like We got some tasty hot takes And the jams we just had to kick So saddle up good people While we talk a little bit about music Music, music, music I'm your host this week and every week. My name is Will Olson. I'm ecstatic to be here. I'm joined by my good friend and regional icon, Mr. James Raymond Scott. Hello, Jimbo. Hey. We are joined by audio engineer, jingle master, and all-around great guy, Mr. Brian Gardner. How are you, Brian? I am great. <laughs> I am great. The Bills uh, won their first playoff game in 25 years. That was pretty Did exciting. they? Did that just happen? That happened today. Fantastic. So. Yeah. Go, go, feeling, Western New York. Feeling good. Sports. Sports. <laughs> Sports ahead. And Sports not the ball. Huey Lewis record. Um, fellas, before we get going, I would like to remind our listeners that we post playlists to our Spotify for every episode. We put them out a few days before the episode drops, so you have a chance to listen to the music we'll be talking about today. Just search for Music Mostly Pod at Spotify, or better yet, follow us on Twitter where we post the links. All right, on to the show. Guys, in 1991, one of my favorite movies came out. It's about a recently paroled cat burglar and his partner who are manipulated into stealing various European masterpieces by a maniacal husband and wife duo hell-bent on world domination. Hudson Hawk and his buddy Tommy Five-Tone are charged by Darwin and Minerva Mayflower to steal Da Vinci's legendary codex on display at the Vatican because it contains hidden in the cover, the final piece of crystal necessary to enable Leonardo's alchemy machine. The film is a criminally underrated send-up of the supervillain wants to take over the world and the only one who can stop him is the reluctant hero who just wants to move on with their life genre. Bruce Willis plays the world's greatest cat burglar trying to clean up his life, Hudson Hawk, and Danny Aiello plays his older, sage-like partner trying to get him to pull one last job, Tommy Five-Tone. They are perfectly cast as the snarky, always one step ahead of you protagonists who don't want to do this, but damn it, they're going to have fun anyway. But the show 
damn near the whole film, are stolen by Richard R. Grant's Darwin and Sandra Bernhardt's Minerva Mayflower. They play a married couple whose quest to flood the world with gold is about to come to fruition. While explaining to Hudson Hawk why they are pursuing alchemy, Darwin says, I just want to be happy. And happiness comes from the achievement of goals. It's just that when you've made your first billion by the age of 19, it's hard to keep coming up with new ones. But now, finally, I've got myself a new goal. World domination! Later in the film, just as they're about to fire up the machine and begin turning lead into gold, Minerva explains, Why is the world jam-packed with such idiots? Every schmo has a fantasy that the planet revolves around them. It rains. A car crash happens. They say, how can this happen to me? But for us, this isn't a fantasy. It is a reality. And Darwin expands with history, tradition, culture are not concepts. These are trophies I keep in my den as paperweights. The chaos we will cause with this machine will be our final masterpiece. I'm sure I did not do those performances justice. I promise you that the performances in these scenes make every Bond villain look like a goddamn librarian. It's like Grant and Bernhardt showed up on the set. The director said something like, does your level of crazy go up to 11? And the two of them were all like, Psh, our shit starts at like 100. Suffice it to say that Hudson Hawk and Tommy saved the day with the help of blah, 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 blah. That's not the reason I'm referencing this film, which you should totally go watch. I wanted to highlight just how far the desire for conquest can push us. Because we were warned. In 1985, two friends from Bath, England told us. They shouted from the big chair that everybody, in fact, wants to rule the world. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Today we are discussing Tears for Fears 1985 masterpiece, Songs from the Big Chair. But before we get to all of that, Jimbo, what have you been listening to? Hold on. I just have to say, that was kind of brilliant. And Richard Grant, yes, was amazing in that. He's done. A, we, we have to talk about this more. There's no way okay. we can just let this go happen. on because it's one of my favorite movies. I could talk about it all. Okay. Day. Also, if you have never seen um, uh, um, How to Get Ahead in Advertising, this is a film you should watch with with Richard Grant, like as like really just going for it. Yeah. It's got crazy ass madness monologues that just go on and on and just about He's like so the corporate good. entities and you know just like because he plays like an ad exec who like develops this horrible boil while he's been given the task of coming up for like a boil cream and the thing grows a <laughs> face and it takes over his life. It's amazing. <laughs> you should watch it. Anyways, and Sandra Bernhardt is very creepy. Uh, I've been yeah. listening to um, a lot of things that just uh, I thought of having listened to this record. I'm like, oh, this sounds a lot like such and so. And then I'd go and listen to that and, and then I'd come back and reference it. Yeah, that is kind of like that. And I, I feel this and that and that and this and just trying to get a feel for the time and and how it happened, whose song came out first, and how the evolution. Uh, so a lot of uh, uh, Howard Jones, uh, some Joe Jackson, uh, Duran Duran, and Depeche Mode. Oh, yeah. Nice. All-star lineup. Yeah. They're, they're, actually, all of those guys are going to come up later in the show. I know. So that's good. I should have I just kept my stupid mouth shut. Well, if you've been listening to it, you've been listening to it. Brian, how about you? Um, well, I, I have to take a second, too, about the Hudson Hawk thing, because most people I know kind of shit on that movie. I love that movie. Oh, my God. What's your favorite line from the movie? Brian, what's your favorite line oh, from that boy. movie? Off the top that, of your head. That, oh. All right, you're putting me on the spot, because now I'm just blank. I, I, haven't, I haven't actually personally watched it in so many years. It's okay. But, paraphrase. 
He's not a pressure player, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Jimbo, what's your favorite line? See, now my head is cluttered uh, from okay, lines from the other film because they're they're better. Yeah, well, you, <laughs> but go you, ahead. You get the ball. You, you get my the favorite ball. my favorite single line is when um, the candy bar people are like sitting at a cafe and Butterfingers is like, "Listen to me, Pierre. Steak burger, French fries. This is France. You got to have French fries." And she's like, actually, Butterfinger, this is Italy. And then he looks over at Annie McDowell, Bruce Wilson. He's like, ah, to be in Paris and in love. <laughs> uh, uh, all I know is now I have to rewatch that movie now. And, uh, uh, th- yeah, and there's where, uh, where uh, Richard Grant says something like, you know, I'll kill your mom, I'll kill your dad, yada, yada, and that bitch you took to the prom. And he goes, Patty Joe Bierski? I can get you an address on that. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Oh, That's good. Man. <laughs> yeah, he also uh, he was like uh, he did one of the Christmas specials of uh, Doctor Who about like four or five years ago. It oh. was really really super creepy. I would. He imagine. just like commands the camera. Yeah, because he's got he just has a very distinct face. Oh. His face is like very angular, very Bowie esque. Like his face, you know. He it was, just he was, a, he was a, a junkie Renfield in um, Bram Stoker's joke Dracula. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, Wait, uh, no, he wasn't Renfield. Renfield was Tom Waits. Uh, he was the doctor of Renfield. Something, yeah. Yes, the junkie yeah, doctor. Was, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then he was also in uh, L.A. Story as just like... Oh, yeah. Yep, yep. You know, just, just like this like happy-go-lucky guy that everything just works out for. He plays that character really well, too. He's yep. crazy. He's a good yeah, actor. Yeah, he's a great actor. He's a, you can throw him into anything. Just one of the best character actors. Like, he's yeah. just, you know, British, right, so good. British. I've never heard him do anything but British. True. Very British. He speaks like the Queens. He's like you, like you, Grant, but you know, good. Actually, not, not related. I've looked it up. Um, <laughs> Hugh, I Hugh have Grant to say, Richard Grant, not related. The, the history of uh, what the history of swear words is that what it's called? The the Netflix, uh, Netflix? Came out. is Hugh Grant on that? He is phenomenal in that. Oh, that's he's awesome. playing this. I, I like Hugh character. Grant. I, I just took the piss out of him, as they say, but I actually like Hugh Grant a lot. Yeah, so do I. How can you not? I don't. I mean, he's charming. It's charming, stuttering, yeah. weird, like awkward British thing. Oh. It's just like, it's just anyway, genius. Brian, what the hell have you been listening to this week? Well, back to that. Uh, <laughs> 1994 is apparently my year because I, I go back to it regularly. <sighs> we should visit uh, that. Time, I mean, so many great albums came out that year. Oh, man. Well, yeah. Uh, just, yeah, it, it's insane. Uh, this time around was started with Nine Inch Nails, Downward Spiral. Uh, and then just recently, uh, specifically the last day or two, and then tonight, which I was just listening to, was Soundgarden, Super Unknown. Nice. I have been listening to... Yeah, well, what have you been listening to? (laughs) Yeah, I I always... You know, we're 12 episodes in, and one of these days, one of the two of you is going to pick up that somebody has to ask me that. So... Uh, what did I listen to this week? I listened to Dispatch's latest record, which is not new, but it's it's fairly new. I think it was from like 2017. Uh, or no, they, or they're putting one out. Or they just put one out. Either way, whatever their most current one is, I listened to, and it's it's pretty good. Uh, I've been on the rowing machine. I like to listen to 311 when I'm rowing. Um, and I listened to Pretty Hate Machine today. Oh, there you go. Because I was listening nice. to this album for like the third time, and I was like, I'm going to listen to Pretty Hate Machine. There you go. Because yeah, you, you just hear it, especially for, for me in the drums, just like all over the place. Yeah. Uh, a Pretty Hate Machine came first, though, I think, right? It did, yeah. No, no, that was 89. Was it really? Came, 
Yeah, before Pretty Hate Machine was Nine Inch Nails' first album. It didn't come yeah. before the Tears for Fears record. It did not. Okay. No, I, I understand that it was not. I'm just saying I thought it came first. Uh, no. As opposed to what? Uh, I thought it came before. I thought it happened before Tears for Fears' record. Uh, it did not. Okay. Several years after. It seems a bit more primitive, honestly, uh, in its... Well, I, It's more I, electronic. It's more electronic. It's more electronic, and I, and I, think, uh, I think he was going for that. He, want, he wanted to make an ugly record. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know? Um, yeah. I think that's what he was trying to do. Um, let's see here. Oh, one other thing. I am setting a goal to listen to one album per week that was released in this year or last year, because I just realized that I don't listen to anything new. So... Uh, good people out there, if you have one you think is dope, hit me up on Twitter with it, and I will listen to it, because, I don't know, I just, you know, you, when you're, like, listening, to, like, I was just going through, like, all the stuff I had listened to on Spotify, and I was like, I haven't listened to anything that has been made in the last, like, 15 years. Yeah. So, uh, There's so I'm setting stuff. a goal I'll send in you 2021 for that. That's good shit. I'll send you a bunch of stuff, actually. Now you stepped in it, Will. Now you stepped ah, right in yeah, it. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to send you a list of, like, 100 alone. albums right now. <laughs> <laughs> Only albums that have been released in 2021. So anything released in the last eight days. <laughs> well, nothing. So um, enjoy listening to nothing. <laughs> don't listen to nothing like it. All right, good people. We are going to take a quick break. And when we return, we are going to start unpacking songs from the big chair. We'll be right back. And we are back. We are talking about songs from the big chair this week. And real quick, before we get started, just as an FYI, I wanted to bring up that we we did a show about this album kind of as a practice out uh, practice episode earlier last year. So if you hear us refer to like the last time we talked about this or anything to that effect, that is what we're talking about. All right, fellas. So this album came out on February 25th, 1985. It was recorded at the Wool Hall in Beckington, England, produced by Chris Hughes, drummer for Adam and the Ants, who also produced The Hurting, their, their album before this, and co-wrote Everybody Wants to Rule the World, which is a good one to co-write, if you're going to co-write one song on an album. Yeah. Uh, that certainly would have made it such that Chris Hughes could just produce whatever music he wanted to for the rest of his life and not have to really... Count on that Adam and the Ants money to get him, carry him through. That guy's yeah. got a paycheck coming, no matter what. <laughs> it, seems um, like, it, it just it certainly seemed like a good like feather in your cap. Yeah, that song is that's just everywhere. Uh, this album peaked at number two on the UK albums chart and number one on the US Billboard Top 200. Uh, the week that it was number two in UK, an album entitled "Hits Two by Various Artists was at number one. <laughs> <laughs> Could have been anything. Who, who knows? Various, um, it, my favorite band, Various Artists. Various artists. Uh, I looked around a little bit today. So it was number 47 on Paste Magazine's top 80 albums of the 80s. What was like uh, those num- guys? The number one album on that list was Doolittle by the Pixies. Very which nice. is a good company. I mean, I feel Phenomenal. like... Phenomenal. I just feel like 47 is is low. But anyway... Uh, it was number six on Slant Magazine's top ten albums in 1985, with number one being Hounds of Love by Kate Bush. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Wow, that's, that's a great record. Which is also a great record. Yeah. But um, I, I don't know who would put it on their number one. Wow, that's great. Good for, good for is, her. Yeah, yeah, that is pretty interesting. Yeah, that's really amazing. Uh, it is 
noticeably absent from Rolling Stone's top 500 albums of all time and top 200 albums of the 80s. Which That's because they don't know what they're doing over there. It's criminal <laughs> in, both, really, in both instances. They, they, they don't know of, whose head is in whose ass over there. It's like a bunch of chimpanzees pounding on typewriters over there. <laughs> so this album was not in their uh, top 200 albums of the 80s, but uh, Was Not Was' his record was. It was, was not, not was. It was. It was. Everybody <laughs> walked a dinosaur. That was in there, but this Sorry, was not. Was. Wow. <laughs> really? Was it or wasn't it? It was. Was not, <laughs> was, not was. Was. <laughs> Where was the duh that year? Uh, or talk talk. They must have been too shy shy. Oh, <laughs> uh, mister. <laughs> Stop it. Bad radio. <laughs> Tears. <laughs> bad company? Bad company? <laughs> Can't okay. stop. Enough. Tears for Fears are mostly Kurt Smith and Roland Orzabal. Most of the songs on this record were written by Orzabal and keyboard player Ian Stanley, with Kurt Smith only having a credit on Head Over Heels. Again, if you only have a credit on one track, it's a good one. It's oh, one you know who else I listened to this week that uh, I forgot to bring up is... This band, Graduate, which these two were in, they put out one ska record in 1979, and it is hot fucking fire. I so want to hear that. Yeah. It's awesome. It's on Spotify. It's called Graduate, and it's amazing. You you should check it it out. Running it down. Uh, On the title of the record, Kurt Smith had to say in a 1985 interview with Melody Maker, the title was my idea. It's a bit perverse, but then you've got to understand our sense of humor. The big chair idea is from this brilliant film called Sybil about a girl with 16 different personalities. She'd been tortured incredibly by her mother as a child in the only place she felt safe. The only time she could really be herself was when she was sitting in her analyst chair. She felt safe, comfortable, and wasn't using her different faces as a defense. It's kind of an up yours to the English music press who really fucked us up for a while. This is us now, and they can't get at us anymore. So... It's a little melodramatic, but uh, I, I do remember the film a lot. I, uh, and it was, I mean, it was the dramatic. 80s and everything was melodramatic in the 80s. Yeah. Yeah. I watched yeah. a couple interviews with them from earlier today, and, and Kurt Smith had some some things to say about American music scene. And, um, you know, it was all just very, uh, he said, that, I guess they played Las Vegas, and then they played Provo, Utah the next night, and he was like, it's like it's like America's like this land of extremes, and yeah. And the the reason that it took so long for us to take off here is because you have to put so much money into marketing your music in America. Everywhere yeah. else, it's enough to just put out a great record. Here, you have to pay people to shove it down people's throats. He's not wrong. Yeah. I mean, it and he's, he's not continues wrong. to happen. No, I will say though, in recent years, um, they did a tour with um, Hall and Oates a couple of years ago, and from what I understand, Tears of Fears kicked the shit out of Hall and Oates. Everyone was like, huh. Tears of Fears is the greatest show I've ever seen. Hall and Oates were, eh. I that's don't a, believe that. That's, a, that's surprising. I, I mean, heard I, from several sources. I'm not at all surprised that these guys put on an awesome show. I'm just surprised to hear that Hall and Oates doesn't. Like, you well, think- I mean, I just think that theirs were, was so good that Hall and Oates was like, it was just like, eh. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Well, just saying, it's what I heard just, from just multiple saying. sources. That's what they I say. could pile my sources into a little opinion, a little, a little opinion. something I've never it's, seen, so I judge every, things I have no idea about. Every, everybody's saying that. Who? Everybody. Everybody. <laughs> what are you everybody. talking about? I'm sorry, I'm sorry Mr. President. Could you cite a source? <laughs> yeah, that's just what everybody. I heard. Everybody. <laughs> 
Uh, okay. In a 2017 article for Pitchfork, Tal Rosenberg wrote, In 1970, the psychologist Arthur Janoff published The Primal Scream, in which he detailed his theory that the neuroses and baggage that adults carry with them are caused by repressed traumatic events from childhood. The same year, John Lennon and Yoko Ono underwent therapy sessions with Janoff, or probably Yanov, I probably said that wrong, for about five months. Lennon channeled his experiences into his solo debut, John Lennon slash Plastic Ono Band. He created one album out of his encounters with Yanov. Tears for Fears based their entire career off Yanov's work. Take that, <laughs> Mr. John Lennon. Yeah. John who? Think you're Show so you. cool. <laughs> but I guess, I mean, that's the name, Tears for Fears. And the two of them spoke in interviews about how they were both... They're both middle children. They both had fathers who weren't around, and and they both just had a lot of anger and a lot of baggage. And uh, and this album, you, you hear all that. I mean, this album is moody. Yeah, uh, it's dark, but with glimmers of hope. It it does the whole thing where the music's happy, but if you listen to the lyrics, you're like, well, that's not happy. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. But it's, <laughs> yeah. It's moments that are just beautiful, though. I mean, like stunningly beautiful. Well, it is. This this album is a whirlwind of emotions as you as you listen to it. Yeah, it's coming from somewhere. There, there's, a, yeah. you know, it's it's, it's it, it, I don't think it was accidental. And there's some things I want to talk about as we go through the tracks um, about how, the way they laid things out and the way they made decisions about. Wait, we can do this. We can release this re- record with seven songs and three hits or three two and a half international hits. super hits. Yeah. yeah international super hits they knew they were that good to the point where okay i'm not gonna i'm done (laughs) (laughs) he's out of here ladies and gentlemen i'm out of here um yeah i oh i was gonna say something i forgot what it was but anyway uh i will say that kind of like as a armchair psychologist summary of the therapy it's kind of that if, if you allow the patient to get so worked up by screaming that hidden anger and pain are allowed to surface it's it's kind of like you know like if you ever been just sitting around just bitching about work with other people and it, it just like the negativity is just so contagious like it's just I've oh yeah and this no idea and this and this and everything sucks and um never. there's a Brian whole and I group have never closed the bar and complained about everybody else that worked there it's yeah. like all the customers ever the entire time we worked there it's like a snowball oh. rolling downhill it, it just it's, it's, it's gaining we traction yeah. everything like, oh my god what say. another great night so amazing <laughs> the best oh my friends were here. But so I, it's it's kind of like the basis is like channeling your present rage and hoping that it brings some of your baggage out with it because I feel like that I, I have been around like that kind of negative energy and seen how contagious it is and if you could find a way to channel it so that something productive and positive is happening as a result it, it's a powerful force yeah it's and I a think machine that's kind at that of at point. the core of of what this album is getting at I agree with that very yeah that's good it's huge oh, yeah. it's enormous. Yeah, and it's and they found just the right producers, just the right musicians, and the songs were just there. They're just, just so there. good. They were so there. There are, in my opinion, two bands. I'm sure there are more than two bands, but two that stick out to me when I listen to this record as as being influenced by this record. And uh, one is Pretty Hate Machine, and the other one is Depeche Mode's Violator. Uh, they came out in 89 and 90, respectively, and I feel like they wouldn't—you hate to say they wouldn't have written those records, but I, there's just no way that they hadn't listened to this record a gazillion times. 100%. Um, 
I'm going to add, I'm going to throw something in there. Uh, yeah. Actually, uh, uh, what is his first one? Shout, of course. Um, epic song, huge, enormous, great intro, amazing opener to a record. Uh, of course, came out in 1985, February 25th. Um, almost a year earlier, though, was a song called People Are People by Depeche Mode. Uh, came out March 12th, 1984. And I can remember when I first heard Shout, thinking this is the same band that did that song last summer um people are people oh that's, that's i didn't realize that had come out before this but i know it did it was exactly what you're talking about. yeah so huh, i remember yeah. thinking wow we heard this last summer wait a minute no this is a different song but it's got that same powerful digital energy that was new to us and and like spoke to me it's like oh now music is a machine that can just like take you over you know and i thought i was i thought it was great so but I think that the Depeche Mode thing that you're talking about happened in the reverse. I think these guys, I think that, I, I know that People Are People came out the summer before and it was a that, hit. That's and, a fact. And, and yep. So uh, Shout was kind of uh, their version of that, I think, a little bit. Like, hey, if they can do that, we can do this. That's interesting. Yeah. Is that me? Yeah. I, I, didn't, I didn't realize that. That's, that's definitely interesting. Yeah. I'm buying, I I'm always, bu- like, I'm my first... Yeah, my first exposure to the best mode was "Enjoy the Silence." That was later. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was... came out in 1990, and and I honestly, because I would have been 12 when that came out, so I, I just thought that that was their first work. No, no, which no. goes people to show are... what I know. Nothing. But, but there was like uh, like three records before that too. Like the um, "Everything Counts" in large amounts was earlier than that, and then um, even earlier than that was uh, "Just Can't Get Enough," or maybe that was the same record. It was. Just can't get enough, and everything counts in large amounts. Was uh, can't remember the name of it. Uh, Dark parade? No, no, no. Soft get, parade? Maybe soft parade? No, soft parade uh, is the doors. Just the doors. Yeah, <laughs> but I will say everything counts in large amounts. Sounds like a Snoop Dogg single. Well, because <laughs> he wished he could do that shit. <laughs> no, not the song, just the title. <laughs> the grabbing hand grabs all it can. Everything counts in large amounts. Yeah, that sounds like something he would say. Oh, yeah, and also like Master and Servant. And uh, the other early one was um, uh, the one about uh, Girl of 16, Mother wrote and wrote again. 16 can. It's like about, it's all about like, Blasphemous Rumors. Do you remember that? No. Okay. Well, you're a little young. I am. I listen am. to all those songs, everybody. I <laughs> will. I will. Listen. We'll put those on the playlist. Um, Brian, do you have anything uh, that you want to add to this before we start going track by track down the record? I don't think I do. <laughs> okay. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to go through these seven tracks, and uh, it's going to be amazing. Be right back. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, and hopefully ladies, and probably some gentlemen. <laughs> Jimbo, <laughs> you too. Wow. <laughs> um, we're going track by track down songs from the big chair. Uh, there's only seven tracks, but... Uh, God damn, they they don't waste any. There's no, they don't waste any time in this record. It's a good seven tracks. Uh, the first one is shout, 
This is the first... Uh, I first heard this song when I saw the video on Nick at Night. I don't know if you remember Nick at Night. Of course. But um, I just like how it starts with the chorus. Jimbo, you had said this too. Like, yeah. uh, Kind of alluded to it with the Depeche Mode song. It's just like three seconds into the record and you're just in. Yeah. Like it's it just yeah. pulls you right in. It's such don't a great face. track yeah, one. Just like, yeah. hey, listen to us. Or don't bore don't, us, get to the chorus. Or just go leave the room. Because you that's just it. Gotta, you get right to the good stuff. Yeah. Well, and it's also, I mean, just directly about that scream therapy. I mean, shout, shout, let it all out. I mean, yeah. so, uh, but Jimmy, you got any notes about this song? Well, only song? what I've already said about having been like a, I think very influenced by a people are people by Depeche Mode the previous year. Um, it was the first track that I heard off this record. And, and I remember thinking immediately, oh, there's more of this. And like, I wanted to, because having enjoyed that Depeche Mode song the previous year and bought the record and listened to that record over and over and over, I was like, here's more of that same thing. And it kind of was, but kind of wasn't. So we'll get to that. Okay. All right. Brian, you have anything you want to say about this song? I love this song. It's an amazing song. Uh, I will say the one thing that always carries through in my music with this is that the I always try to put something so there's that moment with the it sounds like a glass bell like the dee 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 doo doo kind yeah, of yeah, a yeah. little I love that where it just it, it's kind of a just a interjection a little sharp little contrast and it's like mixed really high in the mix it, I don't know what, is, I, what does I, that mean really high in the mix it, it just it, it it's more abrupt it's not as subtle it's not as tamed where like you know you're hearing it in the background it, it almost like f- fills the space of the vocal where there's that gap mm-hmm. so it has the- that same presence as, as you know one of the more main and focused instruments you know vocal or, or, or something like that so I, I've always appreciated that and try to do it in my own music where you kind of throw that in there just to carry through Nice. And the bass during that part is like kind of dirty too. It's like, like it kind of sounds like it's being run through like an envelope filter or something. Uh, to me, I'm sure, I'm sure I just referenced the wrong thing that it's being run through, but it, it it's like, no, modulates kind of a little bit. Yeah. I think it was at least run through an envelope filter. I think feel like there's also like a, a synth bass that's being either triggered or played alongside of the bass line. Right. To give it that sort of big old buzz that it needed to carry the entire song. You know, it's like, it's wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. You talk about your, right, your little percussion thing. That That's like so strong. That, again, I'll never, I don't think there's a substitute for that. Like that sort of little thing in a song can be like the biggest little thing right. ever. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's like it makes such a difference, you know? It's like, yep. you know, it's it's kind of, it's almost like as iconic, I think, as like Phil Collins, like, roll down with the gated reverbs in, in the air sure. tonight, you know? It's like kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was plenty of that in this record, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You'll get some reverb. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. The next, uh, the next song is called The Working Hour, and... It has a long intro, I think, just to kind of counteract the immediacy of the song right before it. Like, it just kind of, you know, yin and yang. And um, 
This is the only song on this record that for the life of me, even though I listened to that, this record three times today, I can't hear this song. When I try and think of it, I'm like, I, I can't place it. And I don't know why. Um, like you can't hear it in your head, like you can't reference yeah, it. Yeah, like, I can't, yeah. See, yeah. I mean, I don't have a problem with it, but it's only because, you know, I, I, I was listening to this song today and I was like, damn it, what soundtrack was this in? And I did research, research, research. Couldn't find it on any soundtracks. I was like, it was like in a, a film with like Phoebe Cates or somebody. I don't. I don't know. It's like a film with or Phoebe. Phoebe. Uh, Phoebe Cates. Didn't she? Uh, Phoebe she Cates was the one who from Fast Times original. Huh? Showed her yeah, boobs. Uh, uh, like <laughs> Drop Dead Fred. <laughs> yeah, oh, Drop Dead Fred. Sorry. Classic. I just watched it the other day. She was also uh, Brooke Shields' body Cobwebs. double in the uh, Blue Lagoon. Oh, that movie. Tidbit. Weird. <laughs> Something from my teenage mind. <laughs> but uh, anyway, Jimbo, what, uh, do you have any notes on this song? Yeah, I do. Um, <clears throat> well, first of all, it starts out with like this amazing 80s saxophone. Apparently, there were two sax players on this track. Um, there's a guy who played the, the giant solo at the beginning. It was like, it's not a soprano. I think it's probably like a tenor sax. And then later on, it's a different sax player. Uh, the other thing with all like I'd the wild about, stuff, like the like it gets yeah. really, really. There's two intricate. different sax players. The 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 thing that I noticed the most, I'm like, why does this feel like a '80s Peter Gabriel track? Turns out, uh, Jerry M A R O T T A Marota Marotta, uh, who was a studio go to guy for Peter Gabriel for years, as far as like arranging stuff and percussional stuff and you know whatever uh, handled all the drum and horn arrangements for this this track oh so that's why it has that giant like red red rain feel that like mm -hmm. you know yeah um, yeah it's just enormous I mean like it's all horns and drums interesting, interesting. Brian do you have anything to say about it uh man I don't know. Jimbo, Jimbo covered a lot of territory there. Like, <laughs> Sorry, dude. <laughs> he got deep in it. Well, the next song is Everybody Wants to Rule the World, and everybody in the world knows this song. It reminds me of being at the pool when I was a kid. It's If you know a Tears for Fears song, it's this one. Uh, Dennis Miller used it as the theme song to his show on HBO, Dennis Miller Holy Live. Crap. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's just... it's. I was six... Seven years old when this came out, and I, I, I remember this song from that age. And I had no, yeah. at the time, I wouldn't have been able to tell you who the band was uh, or anything. I mean, this is it was such a huge song. So, uh, so that's my, my uh, two cents. Uh, you guys talk about the actual music. Well, <clears throat> Brian, do you mind? I'm going to go real quick. Get in there. Can anybody name uh, who uh, his? Uh, I could be wrong on this, but I'm pretty sure I'm right. Uh, who his band leader was? Dennis Dennis Miller's band band leader? No. Oh boy, no. Andy Summers. Oh, from the fucking police. From the yeah, police? Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty wow. sure. Wow. Look that up. Somebody look it up. I feel like you can't start with "Can you name?" and then be like, "I don't know." Look it up. <laughs> look it up. <laughs> Well, also, look it up. the other thing about this song is um, uh, it's, there was another song by XCC that came out four years later that sounded so much like it. And What's Brian, that song we, we've had this conversation. And it's called To Be King oh, for a Day. Yes. And 
it was beautiful. I mean, the song itself is amazing. Um, it's got a, just like a similar like shuffle and guitar style to to this other song by XTC. Well, and I like in this one just the ba- the bass is so grooving, like doom 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 doom. It's it's like a shuffle bass, and yeah. it just it just keeps the song propelling at the same tempo, like yeah. no matter. And and then like all of the higher things can just kind of like flirt and play with each other because that bass just just rocks right underneath the right. whole song. It's really, I mean, it's an amazing song. I, I feel like it's not underrated. I feel like it's very appropriately rated as an yeah, amazing song. Accurately yeah, it's, rated. it's like a, it's like on the top of its game. I mean, it's like that. Like you know, think of other songs like uh, Black Velvet or something like that. But it could mm-hmm. kind of been like dun, the same dun. kind of groove and yeah. same era, maybe out of a different genre, but it was the same groove, same feel, and like it was trying to be a song, you know, like a strong song. And I think that. In my opinion, even though Black Velvet certainly was a much more popular song, uh, this band had more longevity. So I don't know. This is cool. Uh, I don't know. It's a cooler I like, song. I, like both. I, don't, I, like I, don't, I feel like this is probably uh, in most people's top ten songs of the 1980s. This is definitely in their top ten. Yeah, songs. it's iconic. I, I mean, yeah. It's what so with the Andy Summers thing? Did we figure that out? He composed the theme song. That was uh, it. Who's I don't think he had a band. Also? I don't think he had. Yeah, a band. that's what it said. It just said he com- theme music composer Andy Summers. Okay, but go. he was also like Andy Summers. He introduced him every night on the show. He was okay. he he was the band leader. I'm telling oh, you. Oh, sure. okay. no, yeah, you're right. Actually, now that I'm looking, I just went to yeah, yep, yeah. All right, you got it. All right, I just want to make sure nice. I'm not James crazy. Raymond Scott, Dennis Miller, super fan. <laughs> Not at all. It's like reading Doonesbury. It's so not funny. It's like, wait a minute. Am I supposed to be like involved in politics? Yeah, I don't. I don't understand what's going on. Um, okay, the next song on the record is called "Mother's Talk," and okay, so this I will reference the first time that we talked about this record uh, because Jimbo, this was the first time that you and I had a thing where our notes matched because both of us said. Well, Trent Reznor must have listened to this because you hear a lot of Pretty Hate Machine era Nine Inch Nails in this song. And I, I think it's, I mean, it's the drums, just like the way the drums interact. Yeah, yeah. Is so, we can work it out also. It's kind yeah. of a, I don't know. We can. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's happier. You were like, you know, if, if Trent Reznor wasn't so sad, this is what his music would sound like. I called it like a tech of the day masterpiece is what I said. I was like, Duran Duran meets Depeche Mode. Oh, and that grindy bass break at the end with I'm like, what is what are we hearing here? It's just so grindy and good, spooky. And then it ends with those echoey like vocals being spooky out the end. It's good. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Oh, it's fabulous. And then I feel like that was like I said, like it was the it was the tech of the day. It was like all like they they used a lot of studio uh like state of the art studio stuff it was like here's how far we can go with this and like produce that that song for this yeah. record yeah 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 was like over the top 80s digital production yeah and then and then the next song is called i believe uh, right. it's slow saxophony uh, it kind of the bass, do 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 do. It's so to me. It just has such a very 
almost like a film noir kind of like you just see like a PI standing in the dark underneath like a street lamp smoking a cigarette. Yeah. Kind of like, yeah. you know, with this song underneath and he's like, and that was the first time that I laid my eyes on her or something. I, I don't know. But uh, yeah, no, I like like Mickey Spillane or, you know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's a, it's just, it's a great, like it's, you know, like, Everybody Wants to Rule the World is just like a, an upbeat, up-tempo pop song, and the mothers talk very up-tempo, and then they just take it right back down. I mean, this is like almost like haltingly slow. Yeah. Well, I, I think the thing I, I – when you say film noir-ish, I was thinking more like the – I think it was, I can't think of this guy's name is, but here's what I wrote down. Uh, he did all the um, like Twin Peaks music and all the David Lynch stuff. Angelo Badalamenti, I think is how you say it. Okay. Yeah. And his stuff was like, if you think about that Twin Peaks theme, you know, it's like with all that mm-hmm. echoey. And uh, th- this felt like that, but it also felt like uh, sort of like uh, like Joe Jackson and Howard Jones were doing similar things around this time as far as like writing like giant, giant, weepy ass bas- bastard fucking ballads. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, it kind of feels like one of those a little bit too. Yeah. The uh, Howard Jones song I could think of is called City Song. And I think it happened like right around this time. Maybe it was a little later, like a year or two later. But <sighs> it's sad, sad stuff. Sad stuff. We So we come out of I Believe and we go into uh, this one-two punch that is broken and then head over heels with kind of like a broken outro after it. So we'll talk about broken first. And I have... Uh, it's interesting. My notes from the first time we did this was, this is pretty much an intro to Head Over Heels, right? But it's so not. Like, it's very much... It, it was kind of arranged that way, but I feel like it's it's a standalone song. Um, and then the only other thing I'll say before before you get into it is, I, I so wanted Nine, the, the Nine Inch Nails EP, Broken, to be named after this song. And I, I looked and looked and looked and looked and could find absolutely no evidence of uh, that. You're going to have to talk to the man himself. <laughs> What were you thinking? Squandered <laughs> opportunity. But, uh, Come on, T. Come on, T. But this song is, I mean, the tempo on this, like, I don't know. This is a hot track, man. By, by itself, it's a hot track. Yeah, on its own. For sure. Um, it's got a lot of um, sort of um, really uh, uh, prog uh, influences in the way the groove fall, in the way they're handling it and the whole idea of like having a song references the next song, the next song happens and the next song finishes out with the thing that the first song started with is mm-hmm. very like, um, uh, treating it like an opera or, or something like that. It's like treating it, well, like, a, it like a Broadway it's show. Like the, it's like the two songs are winking and smiling at each other. I feel like this entire thing, this whole record could be treated like a, like a tiny little opera in a way. Um, yeah, we're going to talk about that. After we get through the songs. Okay. Um, so this, the beginning of it is great. It references the other things, but also I think the references are a little bit creepier than the actual lines in the next. Cause it's like a, it's not like a toy glockenspiel. It's like this tiny little scary instrument that just is boring a hole through the side of my head. When I hear it. <laughs> are you talking about the bam, 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 bam. I don't know what that sound is. Can't place and it, it, and it's kind of like they just kind of keep coming back to it, and it doesn't. It almost doesn't fit in the song, but it does. 
Oh, yeah. And it's, it yeah, is, um, atonal warbling yeah. going yeah, on in the bottom yeah. of it. It just makes me moist. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's real good. It is Yuck. really good. It is, Yuck. it is, <laughs> to, to use a technical term, real good. It's, it's real good. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, Brian, do you have anything you want to say about Broken before we move on to Head Over Heels? No. Can I add one right. more thing, actually, before we move on? No, no we've already moved on. No, no. And it's still, okay. Hold on. Okay. Give me one no, you know what? Go ahead. Go ahead. Here's the difference. The one thing I was feeling is that in Broken, the entire time, I wanted to take out my bass and play it with a pick, which I have not done in probably about six years. Oh, I hear that. I, totally I wanted to that. play my bass with a pick. And Sometimes you got to play it with a pick. I know. Well, I should have, and I will later. But the point is... <laughs> not right now. Don't do it now. That when we swept over into the next subject, which is... Head over heels. I no longer wanted to play with a pick. I put the pick down, and I wanted to just ah. boom, ba, boom, 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 boom. That, that like, crazy sense. bass line that's in this song, it's oh, so good. It's, and oh, so the next track is Head Over Heels, and then there's uh, Broken Live. Now, do you know if the end is actually live or if they just made it sound live in the studio? That's debatable. Okay. I don't know. It seems like something that it seems I'm like they faked it to me. If, to me, were this were this a first rate podcast, we would have done that research ahead of time. Well, but but we're not. That's so, the sort of mystery that you don't want to solve. Yeah, you don't want to yeah. unwrap that. I, I don't want to. I don't want to know about that. I want to. I want it to exist in my head the way it does, and I'm, I'm going to allow that from now. You know, <laughs> it's like a child believing um, in Santa Claus. You just this is <laughs> this is the third international smash hit off the record this might be my favorite track on the album it's good um what i really love about it is the way he starts the vocals way up high and and comes down right yeah he starts low and then goes up and then no he starts low and goes up no you know it's a hash pipe by weezer that's what i'm thinking of. that's what i was that's what this reminded me of and i went and listened to and that one starts really high and comes down it's the exact opposite yeah like like vocal acrobatics in the verse yeah Yeah, like that are necessary like yeah like really using the the vocals to be an instrument in the track Mm -hmm. kind of um but um yeah, I mean, in this song, I mean, that's like a here. that's a workout for for a stinger. Imagine like touring and having to do that every night and having to exercise to do that. Like you can't just you got to sit and work on where your full voice segues into your falsetto. So your right. ex- sure. exercises include that. You go up your scale, figure out where you are in your full voice, and then you go up your scale and figure out where your your falsetto breaks. So if you're touring, I don't know if anybody else deals with this as a singer, but if you had to do that every night for like, let's say 36 to a hundred dates or whatever. Sure. That would, that would be like insane. Can you imagine? Just like shreds your vocal cords. No, you I I think that if you did it right, your vocals get super, super fucking strong. I mean like wicked strong. Just stop smoking the cigarettes and drinking all that goddamn bourbon. Everything's going to be fine. Well, that was the 80s. I'm sure they did both of those. <laughs> there were several other things. It wasn't bourbon. It was Boone's Farm wine. <laughs> Boone's Farm. Um, this, is also, in, this is also, in a lot of ways, the, the, last so, the, the last song is called Listen, and it is a departure. Like, it's, it's just, so do you guys have anything else you want to say about Head Over Heels before we move on? Okay, so <laughs> the last song is called Listen, and 
it's I just wrote so ambient. Nice way to close out the album. Um, it, it's just it's 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 an odd. I don't want to say it's an afterthought because it's very apt, but it, it it's not. It's like they they do head over heels and then broken with this debatably live or false live round of applause at the end of the song, and then they go into this one, and it's like the vocals are kind of moving from left to right and like a really chasey and it, it's a I mean it's a beautiful song but um, anyway you guys talk about it in actual terms not me just rambling it's super ambient yeah I said that okay it's, it's <laughs> well then we're done we're done apparently <laughs> I already took I already took the easy adjective you gotta find better ones <laughs> I'm surprised somebody actually has sampled it and, and worked it into it probably somebody has Worked into something because there's a lot of cool noises in there to kind of put a, like a, a big old backbeat behind because it was never strong. It wasn't a strong thing. It was never intended to be a strong thing. Yeah, um, and I applaud them for doing what they did. Like the, uh, we got two definite hits. We got a third maybe in the UK. Everything else just needs to be in place to support those songs. And. I believe was the one where you're just like, okay, take a breath. And then yeah. this one was like, it's like, if you, if you like what we're doing then subscribe to our newsletter. Within our- well, <laughs> this reminds me of, I, so I saw a modest mouse play a show in the, uh, back in the mid aughts and they closed their show with the first track off of their big record. And the track's called world at large. And it's that, uh, it kind of ends, it's like, bah, 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 and it just keeps like that little hummy riff just goes the whole song. And then like, yeah, they start playing it with different instruments and they, they do it like real high up on the synth and all this stuff. So anyway, they played for the encore, they come back and they played the two hits. They played float on and then the ocean breathes salty and got the crowd all revved up. And then they played that song and they did this thing where they like, it was like this this uh, Grateful Dead thing where like as each person would like finish their part of the song and they set their instrument down and they walked off stage and it ended with just like the synth player playing by himself. And it was just like everybody just very mellowly filed out of the venue and walked back <laughs> to their cars. Just, and okay, and every, every so okay. often you'd pass a, another group of people and somebody would just be like, like humming, like, bah, 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 bah. like, and it just, and it just, this track reminds me like very much of that experience where it just was just like, like you said, like, you know, subscribe to a newsletter. Like this is like just a very cleansing thing to leave you yeah. with. Yeah. You know, it's like, we just took you on this journey and now here's just something to leave you at a place where you're ready to go back and face the world. Kind of, I would imagine kind of like sitting in the out room after a therapy session where like, it's like, this is your couple of minutes to decompress before you go on with the rest yeah, of your Yeah, would day. you like a palate cleanser? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can I get you a sorbet? <laughs> Can I get you a sorbet? I think I um, have some. Can I have one? I'm, uh... So... Uh, so that's those are the tracks. Uh, there's a couple things that I wanted to um, a couple things I wanted to say, uh, or well, there's one thing I wanted to say and one thing I want to bring up because Jimbo wanted to say it. The first thing I wanted to say was 
this is very much designed as an album. And this would have come out in a time where it would have come out on record, so there would have been two sides. But this was designed to be listened to straight through. Like, this is a an album very intentionally arranged to be listened to front to back. Yeah. Would you agree? Yeah, we no longer have to have 8 to 10 to 12 songs. We can do 7, and two of them are just leading us in and out of one of those songs. So, yeah. yeah. And then the ballads are in place, yeah. That clever yeah. trickery in the second, yeah, second half. And uh, the other thing I wanted to bring up before we before we finish up is something you said, Jimbo, during the break, is that it's almost like it's like three vignettes. Kind of, yeah. I, well, it could be. I mean, you could. I was comparing it to um, uh, Joss Whedon's Doctor Horrible, which was released in three little fifteen-minute uh, uh, episodes that told the story as a musical. I don't know if anybody's ever seen it, but this could be that. This this could actually you could you could actually write a story around this and and create this as a thing. I mean, I don't want to, now that I've just given that idea to everybody, uh, why don't you run with it? <laughs> Fuck, now I can't do it. We don't have the means, so somebody please do that. <laughs> I'll do it. I'll do it. Um, but yeah, that's it in a nutshell. I mean, do you guys, uh, you guys have anything else, any final thoughts on the record before we sign out of here? It's a passionate record. I enjoy that I feel like someone doesn't just sit down and write lyrics the way this is. The music is a little bit different, but when you, uh, you know, you like repeat stuff and it's very, uh, it it gets you, you know, it has a a feel to it, which I always appreciated. Uh, I think it was an immense uh, influence on the times too, um, in that, uh, a lot of it, it was hard for people to, uh, you know, the Elvis Costello fans and the and the Squeeze fans to like get behind something that wasn't trying to be R and B really. It was trying to, and it wasn't trying to be goth. It was it wasn't going one direction or the other. It was like right in the middle. It was kind of just like Joe Jackson and like you know a lot, a lot of things like that. But this one was really important, I think. Yeah, I would agree. Um, and I don't have anything to add. I don't think there, I, this strikes me again as something that I feel like we keep coming back to where this stands out among its peers. It's, it gets lumped in with, I feel like tears for fears more so than Depeche Mode get lumped in more like with eighties pop, uh, and it's not like it's, it's, it's better than that. It's more. I guess serious music than that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I don't, I don't know why, but I know that, you know, we, we have discussions about a lot of bands that get lumped in with peers that we think that they, they stand out against. And I, and I feel like tears for fears is one of those bands. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. But like, I mean, it still happens now. I mean, it's always happened. Like, but when they almost <laughs> trick you to think, be like, Oh, we're just a pop. Oh wait, no. No, you're not. Huh. Listen to this. There, there's right. Like, if you bought this record because you wanted to hear Everybody Wants to Rule the World six more times, you, <laughs> well, you, just, you got news for you. Yeah. I wanted to hear Shout a hundred more times. Well, you know, that that was my field mostly influenced by People Are People by Depeche Mode. It came out a year earlier. <laughs> <laughs> I learned that. I learned that recently. If we learn nothing oh. else. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That is the show, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, We hope 
that we have inspired you to spend a little more time actively listening to music. If you're feeling frisky, you can stay tuned after this outro for a section we call The Lounge, where we get a little bit loose and talk about this day in music history and a Billboard Top 10 from back in the day. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, please tell a friend, subscribe, and rate and review us on your platform of choice, and share us on your social media. If you are kind enough to review us, we will read it on the show. We publish through Anchor. You can check us out there by going to anchor.fm slash music dash mostly. You can subscribe to the show on all the major podcast platforms. Check out our website at musicmostlypod.com. You can find and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Spotify by searching for Music Mostly Pod. We post teasers and stuff on Twitter and Instagram, and we post playlists for each of our episodes on Spotify. You can hit us up at musicmostlypod at gmail.com if you would like to get in touch. For Jimbo and Brian, this is Will signing off. We will see you in the lounge in just a minute. Hey, welcome back, good people. Welcome to the lounge. This is the part of the show where we like to have a couple of drinks, possibly let Jimbo air some grievances. And uh, yeah, we just kind of shoot the shit. So today, as we record this, it is January 9th, 2021. Uh, on this day in music history in 1955, Rosemary Clooney was at number one on the UK singles chart with Mambo Italiano. Oh. Her, her second number one. The song was banned on all ABC-owned stations in the U.S. because it did not reach standards of good taste. Oh, my God. It was such a good song. Such a good song. Such a good track, man. Right now, I just want to actually turn it up as loud as I can and dance to it. Yes. Well, don't do that right now. But it will be on the playlist, and it is, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you, it's a fucking scorcher. <laughs> it's hot. Uh, Dean Martin covered, I assume covered it because he was on Spotify also listed with a version of it. I assume it's the same one. Yeah. Um, but, uh, Rosemary Clooney's is just, uh, it is, it was made for a female vocalist. I will say to our listeners, if you're still listening, if you enjoyed that Rosemary Clooney, uh, rendition of Mambo Italiano, please also explore Ema Sumac and everything she's ever done. Uh, Ima Sumac? Yeah, Y-M-A-S-U-M-A-C, like the tree. Like the but poisonous the, variety But the first name is Y-M-A. Okay. She's the Mambo Queen. We will put her on the playlist as well. Hell yeah. I think it's called Gopher Song or something like that. Go ahead. Gopher. Gopher Mambo. Gopher Will. Gopher Mambo. Gopher Mambo. Uh, in 1976, Queen. We're at number one on the UK singles chart with Bohemian Rhapsody. It's a great song. Amazing. That was, so that would have been the first time for most people our age they would have learned this song when Wayne's World came out in the 90s, obviously. <laughs> but When you say uh, our age, are you meaning your age or my age? Yeah, you're kind of, well, you're, I mean, you would have been fucking five when this came out. <laughs> so yeah. were you listening to Bohemian Rhapsody when no, you were No, but five? when Queen's Greatest Hits came out, I, it became a big part of my life at like 16, yeah. 17 years old. Yeah, yeah. sure. Okay. I I didn't know it till Wayne's World, but I mean it was just like the the fact that it was a single in the nineties when all of the other like you know classic rock was dead, like grunge was yeah. the thing. And then this 
Rhapsody, which I've learned recently is is uh, basically means that no section of the song repeats. It's it's like five distinct sections, none of them repeat. That's what a rhapsody is. Do I have that correctly? I believe that's true. Seems about right. um, yeah. I, I yeah I can't I can't confirm nor deny. <laughs> Can neither confirm or disconfirm that. Our good friend Google will be the judge of that. <laughs> I got this buddy. Hey, I got an angle. <laughs> yeah, it's <yeah>. Google. <laughs> See, <laughs> um, in nineteen eighty-one, Terry Hall and Jerry Dammers from the Specials were both fined four hundred pounds after being found guilty of using threatening words during a gig in Cambridge, England. Um, you have to when you say Cambridge, you have to say it like that. Cambridge. <laughs> Do you? Is that the way? Is that how it's done? That's how it was. There was say a there was on. a sprite. It was a Sprite or a 7-Up commercial in the 90s. Which, whose, whose thing was like, um, obey your thirst? Sprite. Uh, 7-Up yeah. or Sprite? One of those two. Yeah. That's what I, yeah. Literally what I just said. I was just I trying know, to distinguish which one of the two. So you, you, you did nothing for me there, Smalls. Zero. <laughs> but um, anyway, there was a commercial and it was like, it was these three uh, African-American dudes and they were playing like street basketball and there was like rap music or something like that. And then like the director was like, cut, cut, cut. And then they were all like, started talking and they were all English. Like they were like these Shakespearean actors. And one of them was like, can I, can I just think, what's my motivation? What's my motivation? And then somebody else was like, I played Othello at Cambridge. I remember that. Wow. <laughs> now, yeah. Um, so that's where that came from. Uh, I mostly put this on the list because I fucking love ska music and any excuse to talk about the specials, I will take. Yeah. Uh. Not bad. Got me. Got me, man. I it's I love the special so much. I do too. It's gonna be hard to pick the song for the playlist uh from this because this isn't about a specific song, but I'll find a good one. I I mean you can obviously do like I don't know. <sighs> well you could do you know, you got your ghost town, you got your message to you, Rudy, you got your gangsters. I mean any other like why uh, meow, meow. what is that song gangsters let's go yeah, gangsters. gangsters I love that song that's probably yeah. that's probably it right there that's the one okay yeah, we'll but, use yeah. that one yeah. um in 1997 <laughs> I like our collective I, bargaining there <laughs> which which one do I hum the best <laughs> That's strange. Women distributing swords is no basis for a system of government. (laughs) (laughs) Supposed to bow down to you because some water retard threw you a scimitar. You quoting? uh, What are you quoting? Uh, I'm I'm sure misquoting Monty Python. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Um, I I was thinking. And the reason I say I'm sure I'm misquoting is because they'll fucking let you know if you misquote. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, you gotta be careful. This guy. Um, I, I thought it was a death by snoo snoo episode of this of uh, oh, Futurama. The first second, the spirit is willing. Really, really the, similar. To, the flesh is spongy and bruised. Yeah, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is bruised and spongy. <laughs> I love right, that. Moving on. I am a hero with no name. Zap Brannigan at your service. <laughs> oh man! Remember when he does the Shatner thing? Oh uh, yeah. He calls himself the Velour Fog. The, 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 Leela. <laughs> <laughs> what a what song does he sing? It, they he parody does, Rocket Man. He does it, Lola by right. by the Kinks, that's but he, right. he changed it to Lila. Lila, 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 L
Oh. And he just gets booed the whole entire time. <laughs> to my eyes, deceive me, or is that the Lady Leela? <laughs> oh. Or the one where Kiff is pregnant. And oh, yeah. He's like, yeah. He's like, but that it couldn't possibly be that because I have a private bathroom. And then he walks out of Kiff's bathroom. He's like, ah, my home away from home. Yeah, he's like. <laughs> <laughs> God. If you haven't watched Futurama, good people, it's. Uh, hoots. Oh shit, we're still recording, yeah. Yeah. Here we are. Um, okay, in uh, 1997, <laughs> David on. Bowie performed on his 50th birthday bash concert the day after his birthday. So when we go to the birthdays down uh, in a second, David Bowie's would have been yesterday. God rest his soul. Uh, played at Madison Square Garden with guests Frank Black, Sonic Youth, Robert Smith, Dave Grohl, Lou Reed, Billy Corgan, and Placebo. Placebo. That was the band that did the Kate Bush song. Ah, full circle. Now, and the episode is over. over (laughs) I tie that shit in. That was on purpose. This (laughs) just got bumped up to first-rate podcast. We just got another subscriber. That's right. That puts us at two. (laughs) Um, In 2016. Stars paid tribute to Motorhead frontman Lemmy at his funeral at Forest Lawn Memorial Cemetery. Rest his soul. Uh, Motorhead drummer Mickey D, Foo Fighters Dave Grohl, Slash from Guns N' Roses, Robert Trujillo, and uh, Brian's boy Lars Ulrich from Metallica, Rob Halford of Ju- Judas Priest, Scott Ian from Anthrax, all spoke. His bass guitar was plugged into a stack of amplifiers and the volume turned up with the congregation applauding as feedback from the speakers filled the chapel. <laughs> Fuck yeah. God damn it. <laughs> um, That's fucking cool. I had an opportunity. I saw him. I saw him live in uh, that Binghamton. Remember, it was like in the old Chuck E. Cheese down there in Binghamton. It was, uh, it was called the... What are you talking about? Oh, I can't remember what it was. They called it uh, Southside? No. Magic City Music Hall, and it was an old. Oh uh, yeah, it was in Binghamton. It was like an old. Uh, it was an old Chuck E. Cheese that they just made into like this music venue. And uh, I saw Motorhead play there. It was pretty good. Really. Did good. they still have the animatronic rat? No. Actually, next to the about, there may have been some of them just like not hooked up to power anymore. It's just, <laughs> It's in the back. Creepy dead statues. Just, just taking your tickets. <laughs> I swear that thing just blinked at me. What is uh, happening? <laughs> it's alive! <laughs> um, you want to hear who was uh, born today? It's a freaking murderer's row. I mean, you're going to tell me anyway, so I suppose. It was, uh, so obviously David Bowie was born yesterday. Um, in some year that I don't know. Wait, his 50th birthday was 97, so he's trying to... 47, 1947, David Bowie. Uh, 1941, Joan Baez. Um, yeah? Yeah. And okay. I, I was expecting one of you to have something well, to say, but I mean, all right. Yeah, she's a American great. folk singer, songwriter, musician, and activist. Uh, Is she alive? 1944, she Jimmy alive. Page was born today. Um... Oh, listen yeah. to the silence there. Holy yeah. wow. Okay, here's a good one. 1950, David Johansson of the New York Dolls. Okay. Buster Poindexter. Yeah. Uh, he uh, also was in Bill Murray's uh, Christmas special on Netflix Scrooged. a couple years ago. And he's yeah. also he was in Scrooge. Yeah. 
He's the, um, he's the ghost of Christmas. Cap, oh, yeah, yeah. And Scrooge, yeah. Um, in 1965, Hathaway. What is love? Oh, yeah. Baby, no, oh, me. yeah. Yeah, like it just night, makes me think of the Night of the Roxbury. Yeah. No one can <laughs> see what we're doing, but I, I would hope they could infer. Um, that's I, I didn't think he was that old. Uh, and in 1967, uh, one David Matthews of the Dave Matthews Band <laughs> born today. Sir David Matthews. <laughs> Good lord. Uh, Dave Matthews Band. Later, no, uh, Dave Matthews. <laughs> also, known, he wears Birkenstocks. <laughs> we'll call him Dave. Um, uh, Dave Matthews Band, first group to have six consecutive studio albums debut at the top of the U.S. charts. That's criminal. That is, that is, that is a, lot. a crime against everything that I see. I, I don't know, man. I like Dave Matthews. <sighs> The music. I'm the guy. I'm not sure about the music. No, you know what? Here's the thing. People take Dave Matthews way too seriously to me. Like all of his hits were good, in my opinion. All the rest of it is fucking crap. Like I don't want to go to a Dave Matthews concert. Like I don't want to hear three hours of like all this weird shit. I want to hear like, you know, the the plethora of singles, and I'm good. So so you're not a jam band enthusiast. Not so much. Um, I do enjoy so, Carter Buford, though. Yeah? Well, he's so... I saw Dave Matthews... I've seen Dave Matthews a, a handful of times. I saw him uh, New Year's Eve. It would have been 1996 to 97, that New Year's. Um, and Bella Fleck and the Flecktones opened up for him. Interesting. And um, they played an encore that was like... I mean, it was like 20 minutes. It was like a 20-minute... Jam, and this was the first time. Um, this was when I really knew that I that I that I dug Dave Matthews because uh, this was '96. He was a huge star. I mean, the Dave Matthews Band was successful, but he was like the star and sure. whatever. Right. Um, so, Bale Fleck and the Flecktones came out, and all of them did like a closing number, and it was 20 minutes long, and uh, he just stood next to the drum riser with his back to the crowd. And played rhythm guitar for 20 minutes while everybody else in the band just went around doing solos and, and doing stuff. And I just kind of was like, like, you know, he he's it was like, oh, he he knows hey, two things. He knows he's the worst musician on this stage. <laughs> and uh, he, he's okay with it. Like he's not, you know, it's not about him. Uh, which I I respected. I thought that was really cool. He didn't sing. I mean, it was just a it was, you know, there's just all these preppy, like frat boys and sorority girls there and he didn't sing for the encore he just it was just like this banjo band with their drummer who's not a drummer but plays a right. thing mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Victor, Victor Wooten and his brother his brother yeah. Victor, Victor Wooten's yeah. brother I can't think of his yeah. first name and yeah. I, I don't remember what he calls that instrument but I mean it's amazing it's like a drum thing yeah it's like a just a thing he just plays but he does actually get behind a kit from time to time I stand corrected. What's the well, movie I mean, I, that Dave Matthews I, I, is in? I got a bone to pick with that story, Will. No, no, <laughs> he does no. Get behind I, I, the I, 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 I'm sitting here in awe, listening, um, and and I'm, I'm like but, actually quite moved by that story. Yeah, but it was so that was cool. That was when like I knew, 
that I liked him. Like I was kind of on the fence about him because so I'm from Virginia and he was, you know, they the they managed been from Charlottesville. So they kind of like they when they blew up, it kind of came out of nowhere. And like it was like one of those things where then all of a sudden everybody you knew had a Dave Matthews story for for me, because like he had been playing that Virginia college circuit for five years. So everybody had a story with him. Well, that's right? kind of that was what was kind of cool about it too. I I feel like where he he was one of those guys that just kind of caught fire. That what shouldn't have. Yeah, they they got big fast, and then they put out their second album really quickly, and uh, and then they had problems writing when they got to their third album, and and everybody people had asked him why, and he was like, well, the first two albums were songs we've been playing live for seven years right. like i i had enough of those for two albums and then for the third studio yeah, album i had, I had to actually, actually like write new do songs some work. <laughs> you know um but yeah i don't know i mean they're good like i i definitely understand why people don't like dave matthew's band and i'm not i'm not a super fan but like i i i would rather i'm the opposite i'd rather see them live than like hear their singles but yeah, Just because I, they they jam and like they're all the musicians in that band are really good. Yeah, that's I fair. Agree. It's On just, the other fun way, to watch. I've seen them live a couple times, and they're we amazing. we saw them for New Year's. This was Hampton Coliseum was that year, and then the next year we saw them for New Year's, um, and uh, it was me and my my roommate, uh, and we took i don't know what we took i think we took mushrooms i think it was <laughs> but um but anyway we're in the hamlin coliseum which is a it's a round venue it's like a monster truck rally type it's a coliseum you know seats go all the way around and um so they they had cordoned off these seats that were like kind of behind the stage because the stage is at one end of the floor and they didn't want people sitting behind the stage but we snuck back there i don't know how we got back there it was just me and my roommate and we just happened to be sitting directly behind Carter Beauford while he was doing his drum solo. So oh, we just nice. got to see the whole kit like he saw it while he was doing it. Yeah. And it was it was just amazing because it was just like this like core that didn't move and these four limbs just all over the He's place. He's really good. Yeah. He's really, really good. Yeah. <laughs> and he plays like very compact, you know. Oh like yeah, it's, it's mostly is, like it's like, like he doesn't strange. He moves hand really movements. fast, but it's not like he puts the symbols out so he can do that big rock thing where he's really got his arms out. Like I mean, it's everything is just kind of right. He's there. got a real flow. It's like a real, like everything is so precisely placed. I don't know. When you watch him, yeah, it's like he's just rolling from from. Yeah, and his singles symbol of Tom and like I mean, they're just with his golf gloves. With his yeah, with his golf gloves and like. Military precision. So wait, you say Carter Beaufort is it Buford? Beaufort. I've always Beaufort. I've I've even heard people like in like you know people I credit you know to like documentaries or things like that or they said have said Buford. I believe it is Beaufort, and I have seen him interviewed where yeah. the interviewer said Beaufort, and he did not correct him. Okay, well then. Maybe, maybe he don't care. I'm maybe wrong. he's really polite and doesn't give a shit. He's just very nice. He's a really nice guy. He does seem like a really nice like guy. A nice There's guy. a sweet um, YouTube footage of him playing at my college, I think in like 92. If you Google, if you go to YouTube and search for Dave Matthews Band, James Madison University, 1990s, 
it's like they're playing at like the student union center. And it's like, it's just funny to see him play in this drum kit. That's like, it's almost like a Ringo Starr drum kit. And you're like, that's not what his drum kit looks like nowadays. No. <laughs> uh, but anyway. I don't want to look those things up because I would mess up my uh, I, other two apps I have going right now. I feel like we've, uh, <laughs> do you think we've spent enough time talking about David Matthews' birthday? I would have yeah, to. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah, okay. I move on to no, like, what, what, what time, play, give us, what happened? What happened to this day <laughs> okay. in music? Uh... We already did that. Now well, we're on the birthdays. You want to know where the Grateful Dead played today? Yeah, it'd be great. Nowhere. <laughs> this is one of one of five dates in the calendar year with no Grateful Dead show. Uh, inexplicably, February 29th is one of those five dates. Uh, you'd think that, that the Grateful Dead, you think they'd have gone out of their way to play Leap Your Day at least once. Mm-hmm. But no, that's one of them. But there's five days... Uh, they haven't played a show in, in January 9th is one of them, which I, I, I can't, I thought we would have done this show for like two or three years before we got to a date that they hadn't played a show. Wait, it happened one other time, didn't it? Uh, I don't think so. No, but you talked about that. So, all right. All right. So, yeah. Oh, anyway. Yeah. It happened the other time we did this show, this episode. Was it? <laughs> I think. Right? Would it have been the same date you were talking about or no? It was on this day. No. Okay. It was this day. January 9th. Okay, um, another time. Well, it, it's not important. Okay. Um, okay. So we're going to talk about the Billboard Top 10 from June 8th, 1985. This was the first week, possibly the only week, that Everybody Wants to Rule the World was number one. So... That was number one. Everybody wants to roll around. Um, number two is Everything She Wants by Wham. Good song. I mean, that was good song. Yeah, good it's a great song. Uh, number three is Axel F by one Harold Faltermeyer. Uh, and you had, uh, you know before, I, I think it was it was before the show started, you said that you had sent uh, Brian a track called Faltermeyer. I guess you have something inspired by that. Yeah, he's he's written something inspired by it. And I kind of gave it a different structure and sent it back to him. Said, "Is this okay if we do it like this?" Because I'm I'm going to write something over it. Okay, it's, it's going to be good. Faltermeyer. This is also known as like the Beverly Hills Cop song. Yeah, it's so great. Number four is Suddenly by William Ocean. Billy Ocean, suddenly. This is a, I mean, this is a. new meaning to me. This is, uh, this is heartfelt. Oh yeah, it's beautiful. This is, this is a slow jam, but this is like, um, a crooning slow jam that like the likes of like Billy Ocean or like. Well, at the uh, time it was Luther Vandross. Luther Vandross. Your Keith Sweats. Like, well, Keith Sweat came after. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, I'm just saying like these, this type of, um, there's like two types of slow jam in R&B, and one is like these like tortured love ballad yeah, ones, it was like and, Jeffrey and other ones are like, like baby-making music, you know? And this is not that. This is more of a love song. It's like a Lionel Richie number. Mm, yeah. I always thought it was exactly like, um, hello. I mean, and also, what's the one that uh, um, Kenny Rogers made a hit? Um, the one about Lady, you're my knight in shining armor, and I love you. Right. That was also written by Lionel Richie. 
And it's almost ah. as, it was also the same as kind of, hello to me you're looking, for. looking for. Suddenly life has new meaning. I was always thinking it's. All um, three of those songs like fit in the same category for me. It was like, they're kind of Also, like, uh, Lately by Stevie Wonder, right? Uh, how does that one go? Far more frequently you're wearing perfume. But, um, so Stevie Wonder did a song called Lately. Lately I have had the strangest feeling. But Casey and JoJo covered it on their MTV Unplugged in the 90s. And their version, I think, is is more in this vein. I feel like Stevie Wonder's is a little more, I don't want to say upbeat, but up-tempo. But they, they kind of slow it down just a second and really, really kind of wail on it. It's really good. Nice. Um, I would. Can you play that right now? No, but we'll play it after the show. Okay. <laughs> I'll put it on the playlist. Um, Brian, thank you for chiming in. <laughs> I'm going to put a note in here to put that in the playlist. Uh, n- number five is Heaven by Brian Adams. <laughs> okay, so which one was this now? Didn't he have a couple heavens? Uh, heaven, heaven. Wait, is that is that's Aerosmith? Maybe you're all I've got. No, you're thinking of uh, Angel. Find a heart to believe I'm in heaven. Yeah, Maybe that's this you're one. All that I Let need. I yeah, when you're lying here in my arms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Find a um, heart to believe. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. I remember that song. Uh, number six is Things Can Only Get Better by Howard Jones. I fucking love Harold Jones. Harold Faltemeyer and Howard Jones on the same list. Yeah. Get out of town. Number seven is In My House by Mary Jane Girls, which I listened to earlier today. It's it's like it's a pop thing. I remember it. I totally remember it. In fact, it came up on a soundtrack of something recently. Nice. Um, number eight is Don't You Forget About Me by Simple Minds, which was not, they didn't write. Uh, and they hated performing because they didn't write it. But it's from The Breakfast Club. Yeah, I just want to get a pair of like like loosely uh, fitting like Doc Martens and yeah. like a flannel and like start grunge all over start- again. Go yeah, find like a, a football field. Like a yeah, duster, cut the sleeves off. Like a duster jacket. And a it was a banner hair. year at the Bender House. <laughs> the old man grabbed me and said, smoke up, Johnny. <laughs> Go Is make it, me a turkey pot pie. I can't do this. No, I don't know how it is. Two years, mm. Bender. Two, Two years. months. Two months, Two Bender. Months. You're mine. You're mine. Can't get in there. Oh, we just talked about bull, this. you get the horns. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, number nine was Fresh by Cool and the Gang. Oh, man. I love Cool and the Gang so much. I've been listening to them so much lately. Actually, that's what I've been listening to the most of. Cool and the rest cool of the gang, gang radio, like every day <laughs> at work. <laughs> Exciting. Uh, so inviting to me. What is it? Cool and several, several members of his yeah, gang. Cool and, cool and several members of his gang lived in my neighborhood. I'm from <laughs> South Orange, New Jersey. <laughs> Uh, and number 10, rounding out the top 10, is Walking on Sunshine by Katrina and the Waves, which is an amazing song. Of course it is. Love Katrina, hate the waves. Uh, I've seen, uh, that's interesting because I feel like the exact opposite. <laughs> but um, this song was involved in two films. 
first is High Fidelity, where Jack Black walks in and takes their tape of Bell and Sebastian out, throws it at him, and puts this in and starts running around the, the record store. Yeah, with the claps, and, the d- double hand claps. Clap, 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 yeah. Clap, clap. And then I think he like starts doing some sort of cunnilingus gesture. He's like, but <laughs> yes, it's a whole that's, thing. That's a thing. Yeah. Um, and then uh, also in "Look Who's Talking," yeah, this song. I was, yeah, is, yep. Not uh, even "Look Who's Talking" too, or "Look Who Else Is Talking." Or, uh, no, no, Bruce no, talking no, no, now. Just Br- Bruce Willis and Roseanne weren't involved with that one yet. Uh, Bruce no. Willis was, was in the first uh, one. Yeah. No, he Roseanne, played he played Mikey one, yeah. in the first one. Um, just coming full circle, people. Bruce Willis films, full <laughs> circle. We're back. We're back. First rate podcast. <laughs> also, uh, yeah, Hudson Hawk and Look Who's Talking. Probably some of the most underrated Bruce Willis movies. That's true. Ever. I don't know, man. He um, had some moonlighting moments that I really. I'll just great never. moonlighting. Oh man. Well, that is it. You guys got anything else? You good? I don't. Yes. I'm so, I'm so drunk. Okay. <laughs> um, that is the lounge and the show, ladies and gentlemen. If you're still with us, you're a goddamn saint. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, yeah. Until we meet again, remember, always be better. Get a victory every single day.